In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Night Things podcast. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim. It is the week of Thanksgiving. It is rivalry week. It's a week to be grateful. And it is fitting because the guests that we have today, we are very grateful for. Uh, we've gotten to meet some awesome people through the course of doing this show and none finer and uh, none that we're more thankful to know than our good friend and the voice of Sanford Stadium, Brooke Whitmire. Brooke, always good to see you, brother. Welcome to the show. Seth, James, great to see you all as well. Thanks for having me. Always a blast. And the, the feeling is mutual, I promise you. So let me ask you this, because I know that there is nobody with more passion and with more history with the dogs than you. And I feel like we ask it this every time we talk mm. to you, but I'm going to keep asking it. Do you, do you keep waking up and going, when will this dream end? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The short answer is yes. The longer answer is, I don't even know, Seth and James, if I, I can't get my mind around it. And every now and again, and I really have not spent, this may sound crazy, but I've not spent that much time really thinking about it. But I found myself doing that, driving out of, uh, off a of Rocky Top the other night. And I'm thinking, this is just, um, it's really unbelievable. It, it, it is truly, un, we throw that word around a lot, but this, it's hard to get your mind around. It, it's, it's unbelievable what's going on right now. So you were in Knoxville on Saturday afternoon yes, and got to experience that. And I think this is part of it, right? Is that historically, and I think we all have scar tissue like this, mm -hmm. going to an environment like that at the point in the season where we went and with everything riding on it and everything on the line, I think we're all conditioned to have some consternation and some worry about that. And it seems like repeatedly over the last three years for sure, but I think certainly over the last 18 months, it's become more of a mind mindset shift. And that mm -hmm. is now the expectation is this freight train ain't stopping baby. Right. And I, I just, I thought it was cool that look, the Georgia creative team does in outstanding job each week but boy mm -hmm. did they outdo themselves with the recap video this week and i thought there were some cool videos and cool views and i thought one of the coolest parts of that recap and y'all tell me what you think on this was after the first touchdown where they had the big 75 yard run there's this close-up of Ra, Ra thomas on the sideline and he's like yeah whatever man like there was just no there's no worry there's no, no. emotional swing no. by them because they know this is about to be a 60-minute freight train that y'all ain't ready for. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on that, James. I, I thought the same thing, Seth. My daughter, Allie, who's about to graduate from UGA, imagine being in here uh, for these years. But she yeah. texted me last night and said, Dad, you got to go see that um, that video that she, that she referenced. And, yeah, unbelievable. And, and it, it was that feeling even uh, in the stadium. I mean, that was as loud – for that few seconds, that's as loud as the stadium's going to get. But man, that that literally was it. And it's mm -hmm. of all the things we can look at and break down. To look at how we're doing on third down and the stops that we get, and then the points that we're scoring. And, and make no mistake, gentlemen, I'm already on a tangent here. We could be scoring 55, 60 points a game if we wanted to. Yep. We, we don't need to, and our style is not to do that. But it, it's yeah, it. There's no panic. There's no, in fact, it's almost kind of a joke to expect it now that uh, these opening drives and, and of course that one was pretty quick, 11 seconds. Um, but yeah, there's no panic and, and we are who we are and, and you better be good and strapped on to play the dogs right now. Jimmy, I know we've talked about this and texted about this and in our old married couple relationship, I am the <laughs> eternal optimist and you are the person that gives me my dose of pessimism to keep me in check. But I think even you, these this team and these teams have shifted that mindset too, where you're kind of on my side of the fence now where I don't get any kind of worry or anxiety from my boy anymore. He's he's ready to rip. I mean, am I reading that right? 
Yeah, since Auburn, um, it's really been no like I don't get that anxiety or pit in my stomach or anything like that. It's but it's mainly because this team, it's not like they're making the other teams not doing something huge to throw the dogs off. The dogs are just making mistakes. They're beating themselves on these plays. They um, you know, smile made the overcorrection, you know, left this huge gap, Tyke, you know, over pursued and you know. Right, I think his name is, just made a good play. It was the dog's mistakes for reason that 75-yard run happened, not something spectacular Tennessee did. And once those dog, the dogs correct those mistakes, it's game over for everybody. And they've proven that time and time again. They, they correct so quickly throughout the game, and they make those um, mental mistakes are just, once they're done, they're done, and then they're just going to roll over everybody. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen a team with this mental fortitude, fortitude in my life really throughout my fandom and NFL and college, it's just, it's very impressive what Kirby has done with this particular group of players that they just don't get rattled at all. Mm. Yeah, bro, bro, James and I talked about this a lot and I'm interested to get your take on this, Mm -hmm. but it seems to me, and it's been a super fun, I think college football season. I think the landscape Mm -hmm. has been different this year. Obviously a lot of fun in the PAC 12 with Oregon and Washington doing what they're doing. Alabama's made their usual late charge and found themselves. Obviously a big battle on Saturday in the Big Ten for supremacy there. Um, Even the Big 12, I think, has had some fun things that have happened. So a a lot of parity this year, and I think a lot of – it's seemingly the narrative – has been less about who the one dominant team is and, and you know, it's it's wide open. But but here's my thing, and, and James and I, I think are in lockstep on this, is with my own two eyes, I've only seen one team that can beat Georgia, and that's Georgia. And mm-hmm. if they do what they're supposed to do and take care of their business, not just from a talent perspective, but from a how they go about their business from Sunday to Saturday – I just I haven't seen a roster in all of college football that's going to beat them when they are functioning at the level they should function at. I mean, is that what you have seen too? I mean, you have front row seat to it. Yeah, Seth, it is, and James, I, I, and I, it's one of those things you have to kind of pinch yourself to believe it. I, I, I agree with that assessment uh, in totality, and I will tell you that it's you find yourself thinking. I mean, think of the injuries we've had. Think of mm-hmm. the attrition. Think of the the fact that we we changed offensive coordinators, which, by the way, anybody who doesn't believe, and I could go back and talk about his, his first stint, Mike Bobo is an unbelievable offensive coordinator, developer yep. of talent, play caller extraordinaire. And I it, it baffles me as to why, and maybe there aren't any more, I hope not, why people don't understand that. But you think about the coaching changes, you think about the injuries that just keep coming. Mm-hmm. And it says something about depth, it says something about recruiting, but it also says something, as Coach Smart has pointed out, it absolutely says something about culture. Because it's one thing, and I don't care if you're talking about a business or a team or a um, any entity, succession planning is one thing. Succession readiness is a whole nother thing. And yep. we got guys that are stepping in there and, and doing what they need to do on a moment's notice. And I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but Kirby said something a few weeks ago, and I just caught a piece of it. And I'm not quoting him directly, but he said something to the effect of talking about adjustments and whatnot, that our guys have got a good encyclopedia of adjustment terminology. And it mm-hmm. just seems like, and that's again, one of those overused football words, sometimes misused. But man, do we adjust? Do we correct? Do we figure it out on the fly? And then the next thing you know, particularly with these new clock rules, you look up and it's four or five possessions later and we've scored 20, 30 unanswered points. And that crowd, by the way, got out of it just as quickly as they got in it the other day. That's for sure. Yeah, we had talked a little bit in the preview episode about Neyland and what that atmosphere is and can be. And I do think this, Brooke, is cyclical across college football. I think mm-hmm. home environments in a lot of ways, and maybe there are some that, that are an outlier to that, like maybe Tiger Stadium is different. Um, maybe there are some others. But for the most part, I think the better your team is playing, then culturally the better the fan base is inside the stadium. I think we've seen – you and I have talked about this, but there's been an uptick at Sanford Stadium. I think if we're all real with yeah. ourselves, the environment there has been much better uh, no in doubt. the last four to five years. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? I mean, there's 
there's just a different level of engagement uh, when you're playing well, but also there's a different level of expectation when you've had the success that Georgia has had. And Tennessee is the opposite side of that coin. They really haven't had a lot to be optimistic about, right? I mean, last year was more of a blip than it was a consistency in what their program has looked like now for, for really two decades, if we're having an honest conversation. And so even though they see a lot of people, that is not necessarily an environment that you go, Oh boy, I'm nervous to go play there. And I mean, James will readily tell you he is much more nervous and has much more apprehension about going to the voodoo ground at Jordan Hare than he is going to Knoxville. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big piece of it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, I'm glad you brought up Coach Bobo because in this season of thankfulness and gratitude, there are, I think, a lot of folks, if they're looking themselves in the mirror, oh, Coach Bobo, a I'm sorry card this holiday season (laughs) because a lot of folks had a lot of things to say and a lot of opinions And boy, has it worked out swimmingly. Mm. And one piece of it that I think has been undersold, which he's always done a magnificent job at, is quarterback development. And let's talk about Carson Beck for a minute, because obviously a huge transition going from two-time national champion Stetson Bennett to then Carson Beck, who waited his turn. But for all of us, was an unknown commodity in a lot of ways. We didn't know what he was going to be. I think nationally, people didn't know what he was going to be. And every test this kid has been given this semester, he is passing with flying colors. I mean, he is on the dean's list of college football quarterbacks when it comes to performance. And how cool has that been for you to watch in person? And also, has it outpaced what your expectations may have been? I said, yeah, he, he is um, – Carson Beck is playing at a level that – and there's all kinds of superlatives we could put out there, but I don't know that I've seen a Georgia quarterback play with the level of consistency and predictability that he has played with this year. And and, and I echo what you said. I mean, he's an unknown commodity, even though he's been here for so long. The only observation that I was able to make in person, literally, back when – Stetson was doing his thing, and and boy, did he do his thing. Carson seemed to me to improve from one G-day to the next. I I went a year, didn't see him in practice or anything, and I just thought, well, he looks like he's improving. But And and you look at him, guys, look at that. You look at that young man at any given point in the game, he's just the same. I mean, his his eyes are the same. His his facial expressions are the same. He's just – he's just – it's, it's like he's in this permanent zone. And I, I ran into Jim Donnan a few weeks ago on a Friday morning. I think it was before the Missouri game. And, and it's always, I mean, that guy's a treasure and an offensive genius in his own right. And one of the things he brought up that day, he's like, you know, I just, he's due to have a bad game. Every quarterback yeah. does. He's just due. Yeah. That's the one thing that kind of sticks in my mind that, you know, sooner or later he's going to have a bad game. And surely he will, but but he, he hasn't yet. And he's – it's just incredible the the lack of I shouldn't say the lack of attention, but how's the guy not on everybody's top three for the Heisman? I mean, yeah. that's that's a whole nother topic, maybe for another yep. show, but that thing's been compromised in so many ways. But however way however way you want to measure the Heisman, he should be on the short list. He's just done an unbelievable job. Yeah, I could not agree with that more. And James and I have talked about it out it on other shows. I mean, I I think if you're talking about value and and the value someone has to their team, I I don't think you can understate what his value has been to Georgia. And I I know people want to say, well, the cupboard was so full and you've got all these weapons and and anybody could do it, but it's not true. Right. And I also think it's that tells on people a little bit because it shows me that you haven't watched him from game one that's right to last weekend in Knoxville because that's those are exactly two right. divergently different players right and the command that he has now the thing that struck me man and James is probably tired of hearing me say it but it's it's the checks that he's made like the things that he's no done question. as the thinker in the no offense question. week to week have been outstanding man and I agree with you I, I think if you are the general of the best team in all the land and you are commanding that offense with all that pressure and doing it at the level that he's done. And this is the other part. 
completed 80% of his passes last week. And for the season, he's 70 plus. Like he's playing out of his mind. Yes. And and lest lest we forget, he's had his share of drops. Mm-hmm. He's had a couple yep. of games where he's gone for, you know, over 300 yards or close to it. And you, you can think of a deep ball or two that's been dropped. And I agree with you, Seth. I think his his checks, his command of the offense is, and, and you know, to the naked eye, we can't see this. You can go back and study it. And, and uh, those guys that are coaching us have forgotten more football than I know. But it's obvious that he's keeping us out of bad plays, getting us into mm-hmm. some good plays. He doesn't beat himself. You know, I, I thought a key moment, looking back on it, that Tennessee game after the 7 nothing. It's the first drive. We're moving down the field. By the way, made a great fumble recovery. That was massive. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. we're third and super long, and and we all want touchdowns. I, I I'm not a big field goal fan, but look, it's third and probably 18. You're on the road. You you got to get some points there. And he was patient. I thought he was he was on his way to running for maybe even a first down when they gave yeah. Tennessee apparently called the timeout. Then he made a good decision. Got some yards, put us in a situation where Mr. Dependable could come through, made it seven to three, and it's a different feel. I want to go back to one thing real quickly, gentlemen, on Coach Bobo. One of the things about this Georgia team that I like and that let's, well, there's 10,000 things, but one of the things I'm enthused about that we all can see we're peaking at the right time, we're playing our best football at the right time. And it reminds me of 2007 going way back when I don't think anybody would have beaten us those last few games. Unfortunately, with the system, the way it was, we got Hawaii in the sugar bowl instead of getting to play where we should have played. Then go back to 2014, not the end of the season, but during that season, I'll go to my grave saying, and in an ironic with NIL and everything the way it is now, if Todd Gurley doesn't get suspended, Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's not one of the greatest seasons in Georgia football history. And by the way, statistically speaking, people can go back and look at it. That was the greatest year of offense we've ever had, including the last two or three years. And that was under coach Bobo. Now he's right back to scoring 40 a game, getting five bazillions of yards, balance, the flow, y'all, the play calling that, that drive that ended up in the the halfback pass. I mean, it's just a thing of beauty. It's just, of course he's got, (laughs) <laughs> he's got some toys to play with, which is that goes back to recruiting and everything else. Yeah, I've been I've been struck with how I, I guess easy easy is probably the wrong word. I know they've worked a bunch, and I know it hasn't been easy. But from a fan's perspective, from a fan's eye, the transition has looked so easy mm-hmm. from Coach Monkin to Coach Bobo. And I know the guys have talked about there hasn't been a huge shift in scheme and playbook. But it does look a little different. Sure. I think there are things that, that have been inserted and things that we're more used to with Coach Bobo. Like, I love the I-formation toss wow. touchdown. You know, yeah. like, the, the different things that we've seen, the different looks that he's maneuvered. I loved when he's lined Kendall up as the fullback, and then you have Dejan behind him. Like, I, I just love what they're doing. I want to talk about that real quick. And I don't want to belabor everything on offense because I love what the defense yeah. has done, too. Yeah. But – Kendall Milton looks as healthy as we've seen him in his time in Athens. And boy, has he looked dangerous. And I think it has added a whole nother level of depth to what this offense can be and what this can become. Um, It looks like for the first time in his career, and I think this is a health thing, he's -hmm. not thinking. He's just reacting and being the athlete that he is. I mean, what what do you think on that? That one run he had, y'all, Saturday, uh, and he had several, but that one run where he went for 12, 14 yards, something like that, and was just breaking tackles and shifting. That's one of the best runs. And that's one of those things about runs, even back in the great days of Herschel. Sometimes your best runs are not necessarily for touchdowns or big game breakers. That that was a phenomenal run, and I completely agree, Seth. A healthy Kendall Milton is a big, big, big deal. And it's almost like, or it is like, when we can line up Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey healthy, mm-hmm. and we can also line up Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton healthy, the playbook opens up a little bit. And he is uh, – I'll make one bold, hot take prediction here. He's going to break one before this season's over. Yeah. I mean, he, he's going to the house with it before the season's over. He's come so close. But, gosh, and, and seems to pick up blitz as well and knows what he's doing there. I mean, it, it's – 
it's a we're a different team with a health, healthy Kendall Milton, no question. So rivalry week this week, big one on tap in Atlanta. First of two straight weeks in Atlanta for the dogs. Clean, old-fashioned hate uh, on tap. Mm. I know for a big segment of the fan base, and, and we all have recency bias, this this doesn't, I don't think, have the juice and the sexiness that it probably once had. Um, but I will say this. I think I think Tech is trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you have to think about them and give a lot of perspective to the fact that you shift from Paul Johnson running the triple option to then go to Jeff Collins, who wants to run a more traditional offense, and now you've already made a coaching change to uh, – Brent Key, and I just think there's a lot of things there that are, you know, in motion for them. And by all accounts, for them, from where they were coming from, they've had a good year, right? And I think that's shown in where the kickoff time is this year. We're at the 7.30 for the first time in what feels like a decade plus. Um, And so I guess for me, I know that you have some more perspective on this rivalry and what it means where does it sit for you now and where do you think it could still go? Cause you know, there's a, there's a loud portion of the fan base that says we shouldn't play them anymore. Yeah. Like it's not, it's yeah. not a real rivalry and they shouldn't be on the schedule anymore. I mean, where do you sit on all that? They'll always be the number one rivalry and anyone who doesn't understand that. And I say this with all due respect, anybody just doesn't understand the history and, um, and how quickly things can change if we don't keep mm-hmm. our foot on the gas I'll never talk about tech without talking about my dad who graduated from Georgia in 1950. And for a number of years back when the rules were really different was heavily, I've told you guys this before, but he was heavily involved in recruiting for Georgia, traveled with the team. That was not his professional job, but that's that's what he did. He didn't get married until he was 37 years old. So for a number of years there, his, his life was recruiting for Georgia and it was against tech. And it was when Tech won eight in a row from 1949 through 1956. The drought. We're in the best of times. That was the worst of times. 1957, we win seven to nothing on Grant Field when number 40, Theron Sapp, whose jersey is retired for this. That tells you something. There's four of them. Herschel, Charlie Trippy, Frank Sequich, and Theron Sapp. Breaks the drought. We then reel off a, a short street there lose three in a row again. Then Coach Dooley comes on the scene and things really begin to go our way. Tech is the enemy. They're always the number one rivalry. And it, it, if and I understand it. We're, we're playing Florida. We're playing Auburn. We're playing Tennessee. We're playing for championships. And, and we're schooling Tech in the meantime. And heaven forbid, I don't want it to ever happen, but just lose to them and then go ask Georgia fans who their biggest rival <laughs> is. Um, right. And in fact, I got to show you guys something. This is a prized possession. My dad gave this to me. This is a practice jersey of Theron Saps oh, in the 1950s. Incredible. And man, I'm telling you something. Diane and I, my sister, we grew up. There was no doubt in our home who the number one rival is. And, you know, it, it, I, going back to your, your analysis, Seth, they're absolutely better. I, I will tell you, Brent Key's done a great job. He's recruited well. He's hired a great staff. They've won some. I mean, they're very good football team, mm-hmm. and they got a big break when that game was announced at seven thirty. It's a completely different deal between seven thirty and noon. And that's again, I, I have a world of confidence in our preparation and in our our head coach and his staff. To me, guys, and I'm I'm segueing here a little bit, but Georgia's biggest opponent right now, and I agree with you, Seth. It's ourselves, but it's also the law of averages. Yeah. We're just due to lose. We're yeah. due for this streak to end. But Lord knows Tech is a, Tech won a game in 1999 in Atlanta, y'all, that was the single worst moment in college football officiating that's ever occurred, in my view. And 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 that's saying something as a Georgia guy. But <laughs> that's the famous, well, Jasper Saints didn't fumble. They said he did. There was no replay. Tech recovers it. They run around in the end zone. We tackle them, which – if it was a fumble, it should have been a safety. And they come out of that with a, a double overtime win. That's 1999, and they haven't beaten us on Grant Field since. And before that, it was 1989. I was in college then. They're due to beat us, particularly in Atlanta. But it's not going to happen because of who we are and what we're going to do. But Georgia fans would be um, would be making a serious error to either under, underestimate Tech or to not understand that they're the biggest 
rivalry. It, it's not necessarily what your record is or who's winning or who's the most competitive. It, it's tech. All that said, um, if y'all will indulge me for just a little bit, I'm going to tell you the most shameful statistic that I could throw at you about Georgia football. And that is the last five meetings in Athens. I know we're playing in Atlanta, but in Athens, the last five meetings against Tech, against Auburn, against Tennessee, Tech has beaten us more in Sanford Stadium than those other two. You take it back to the year 2000, the same thing is true. In fact, since 2000, Tech has beaten us twice as many times in Athens as Auburn has. That's atrocious. And I would submit to you, gentlemen, and maybe we'll talk about this in a year's time. It's because in large part, now we've blown some big leads and not played well and not been in a good place mentally. We surely will now. And Coach Smart, I mean, 2016, we lost one to them. 28, 27, never should have. We haven't since, as you guys know. But to me, that game's played on Saturday. It's after Thanksgiving. The university shuts down for a week. The students go home. They eat turkey. They hunt. Oh, it's just tech. We've already played Auburn. Are you going to the bins for the big game? They don't come back. We're playing at noon, and the atmosphere is not what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, for tech, it's the freaking Super Bowl, and yep. they come in like everybody does. Tech bases their lives on beating Georgia. They're obsessed with beating Georgia. They have an inferiority complex about Georgia that's unlike anything you can imagine. And now that we're number one and now that we've got all these streaks going, everybody's biggest game is Georgia. But it's always been that way for Tech. And we've done better in Atlanta than we have between the hedges. And that is a travesty. So all that said, and I've, I've, I've stated this before, if, if your boy here could wave a magic wand, we'd play them the first game of the year. We'd open the season with them. And you wouldn't have any trouble trouble with atmosphere, and it would draw some attention to the rivalry. And people say, "Oh well, it's tradition." Well, good lord, how many other traditions have gone by the wayside? What what's wrong with one more? Let's play them the first game of the year, whip their butts, and move on from there. Yeah, I like that idea. I like the idea of the huge game. It's the opener. I mean, you know. Yeah, I I think it would give it some more juice, and then you know, I mean, it, it would change the dynamic of rivalry week and all that. But I mean, Louisville and Kentucky have done it. Like, I think it's good. Because that's another one where I feel like it's gone back and forth about how heated it is. And I said, well, talk to people who live in Kentucky about it. And I think opening it up would change the dynamic a lot. Um, But to your point, too, I think Kirby is super cognizant of history and rivalries. No doubt. Because of that, I just – it will not be because of the coaching staff. that That's exactly right. Right, we're not right. going to lose because we overlooked him or because we weren't mentally yeah. prepared or we weren't in the right headspace going out there, no doubt. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, we'll talk some more about that game at the end here, but we got a pretty good slate of games this week. There's been some been some light weeks here the last couple, but uh, I think this is a good one for everybody to get back on the horse. So um, 10 games this week, Brooke, all against the spread. We mm-hmm. sent you the sheet. I'm yep. feeling good about how you're going to fare, my friend. We would love – Right there behind you after the season's over to have the 10 pounds of red hung up on that wall. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Let's open with big one on Thursday evening after we're all fat and happy with, with turkey and dressing and all the things. The Egg Bowl. Old Miss heading to Starkville. Uh, Cowbell's going to be ringing loud and proud. Old Miss is a nine-and-a-half-point road favorite in this ball game. How do you feel about this one, bro? I think the Rebels cover, and I think that they avenge that that uh, unusual loss last time. And, and quite frankly, I just think they're a much better team than Mississippi State. State has struggled, uh, as we know, and I just I feel like the Rebels are going to roll. Jimmy, what you feeling on this one, brother? I'm going with Ole Miss too. Um, State's in, you know, I mean, they just fired their coach. They're in disarray. It's only a matter of time before. I mean, the kids just want to go home. They want their season to be over. I know they're fighting for bowl eligibility, but realistically, uh, Ole Miss is fighting for a New Year's Six Bowl. So that's a much better opportunity for them. I just don't see it happening. I don't think this is close. I think it's over at halftime. Yeah, I'm with you, boys. This is a Jimmy's and Joe's things for me. I, I just think that Ole Miss has the better Jimmy's and Joe's. And I think that, t- to your point too, James, that – 
Dude, they're playing for big things right now. I mean, New Year's Six Bowl, big deal. Go 10-2. and two. They've had a nice year. I mean, I, th there's a lot on the line for them. Plus, man, this is a heated rivalry. I love the Egg Bowl. There's some crazy moments mm -hmm. in this game every year. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got dudes that are celebrating like they're peeing on the fire hydrant. I mean, it just something crazy always happens <laughs> in this game. Right. So, like, I, I can't wait for it, man. I think this is the beauty of this week of football is all the wild things that happen. And, Generally, we're all in communal spaces while they're happening to kind of share mm -hmm. it with other people, which is always a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm with y'all. I'm with uh, I'm with Hotty Toddy on this one. OK, next one is a Black Friday matchup, 3.30 Eastern. Uh, UTSA, the Roadrunners, meet me, are going to play Tulane in a monster matchup in the American. Both teams undefeated in the American. American got three teams undefeated right now. So UTSA, Tulane, and SMU all undefeated and buying for a shot in their championship game. Tulane is a three-and-a-half-point home favorite in this ballgame. Who do you like in this one, Brooke? I labored over it, boys. I really did. But I'm, I'm going to go with Tulane to, to cover and obviously win at home. What you think, James? I know this, this has been one of our sweethearts, the Roadrunners, for the last couple of years. Yeah. What do you sit on this? Frank Harris getting his magic back or what? They're just not the same team this year. They're really not. Um, I know they're undefeated in conference, but Tulane's the better football team. Uh, Tulane really impressed me when they – I know it was in a loss to Ole Miss, but they were without their quarterback that game. Um, Jesper Brad, I think his name is. Or no, uh, Brad's his last name. Uh, Jesper Brad's a hockey player. <laughs> uh, Brad's his last name. He's back healthy. I think Tulane – I think Tulane's going to win pretty handily in this game. Um, they just – their offense, UTSA's offense, just does not look the same this year. Their top wide receiver transferred to Ole Miss, um, ironically, uh, who actually is now transferring again. But their offense hasn't looked the same without that top wide receiver from last year. Yeah, that's a tough one for me. I got a little recency bias on this because Frank Harris had a vintage Frank Harris performance last weekend. So I feel like they have some good things going. The thing that does make me a little murky about this for the Roadrunners is a lot of smoke about Jeff, Jeff Trailer maybe being in the A&M mix. I know he's been asked about it directly. I always wonder how that affects the mindset of a football team and all those type things. Uh, but, but I'm with y'all. I'm going to take Tulane, too. I think it's a good football team. They're at home. A ton to play for here. They're still vying um, for a shot at a New Year's Six. The thing, too, with UTSA is it seems like when they've had games against better opponents, that's when they've had the most trouble. I think they're going to have some more trouble on Friday afternoon. So I'm with y'all. I'm taking the green wave. Um, monster matchup in mm. Eugene on Friday night. Civil War, Oregon State heading into Outson to play Oregon. Oregon is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Obviously a ton riding for them. Oregon State coming off a tough loss to Washington last weekend. How you feel about this one, Brooke? Boy, what a job Dan Lanning has done, by the way, at Oregon. And it'll be interesting to see if he's still there after this year. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of points, guys. I, I, I'm going with the Beavers to cover. I think Oregon will win, but I think Oregon State covers. What you think, brother? Man, before last week, I was on the Beavers. Um, after last week, I mean, Washington's defense hasn't been able to stop anything all season. And I know it was in a monsoon, but they couldn't do anything. I mean, they were running the ball at will in the first half. Um, Martinez was just running all over Washington's defense. In the second half, they could not do anything. And it wasn't like Washington really made a whole lot of adjustments. They weren't bringing anybody up in the box or anything like that. They just couldn't move the ball. The offensive line couldn't get any push. And if you can't move the ball against Washington, you're not going to move the ball against Oregon. I think – and I think Oregon's got a – has got just a good offense as Washington. It's probably not going to be in a monsoon on Friday – I think Oregon at home is going to win and win by two, at least 14. Okay. This is one of the hardest ones of the week mm -hmm. for me, and mainly mm -hmm. because of the number. I hate this 13 and a half. I, I could certainly see Oregon covering this. There is nobody in the United States of America other than Kirby Paul Smart I would rather have leading a football team than Dan Laney. I mean – I love what he does. I love how he motivates. I love his story. I think that's part of his sell, right, is how much he wanted to be where he is, like to grind and do what he had to do to get to the point as a college football coach. Man, I, kind of, I love Coach Lanning. And so you know those kids love him that way, right, because they're with him every day. They see what he gives, all that type of stuff. Dude, Oregon's a good football team. And Washington better look out in that Pac-12 title game, because they are coming. Um, I think I'm with Brooke, though. Rivalry game, uh, future of the Civil War is in doubt. So 
I think there's something to that as well. I just think some wild things could happen on Friday night. Uh, I think Oregon wins the football team, but I'm going to take the Beavers to cover that number. I could very well be wrong on that. This is a game I would not put any of my real money uh, towards. <laughs> well, let's not forget also Oregon has to win to get into the Pac-12 championship game. They're not in yet. Yeah, I, and I think that's – I think Good they point. are going to win. I will be shocked if Oregon State upends them. I just think – I just think they're the better football team. But, yes, very valid. lot to play for if you were the Ducks. All right, next one is, I think for a lot of folks, the biggest game of the weekend, the game. Ohio State heading to Ann Arbor to the big house to play Michigan. Boy, what a weird and twisted season it has been for the Wolverines. Michigan is a two-and-a-half-point home favorite in this ballgame. I think in a lot of ways this is – this is it, right? I mean, this is the real Big Ten yeah. championship game. So where are you sitting on this one, Brooks? Yeah, I agree with you on that, Seth. It, it's the game. I, Michigan, to your point, it's with such an odd year and so many weird things, part of me thinks, man, they just don't know any better than to go out and play a great game and win again against Ohio State. But I just feel like if for no other reason – the desperation for Ohio State to win this game is big, and I, and I think they're going to. I think they're going to come out victorious. I think both of them are a little overrated, quite honestly. That's a whole other topic with the playoff committee and why why the obsession with Penn State. And uh, you know, you beat Penn State, and they act like you're beating the Eagles. And and I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as like I said, I, I'm digressing here, but I I really looked hard at this one too. I'm sure you guys did also, but I I think Ohio State comes out of there with a win. I do. James, what you thinking, brother? Uh, I'm taking the under. I, I want the under. <laughs> because I let, let's look at this, get, break this game down a little bit, okay? This game, defenses both stout. They both got very good running games. Passing game, Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously one of the generational talent at wide receiver. But mm -hmm. statistically, Roman Wilson putting up a very good season for the Wolverines. So, I'm not a stat guy, but you know he's putting up a very good season as well. I'm not saying they're comparable talent-wise, but Marvin Harrison can take over a game. This game is going to come down to the quarterbacks. Who do you trust more, McCarthy or McCord? I don't trust either one of them, but I'm going to go with experience over McCord. And this is this is the biggest game of McCord's career up to this point. McCarthy's played in this game before, and he's played on the road. This is at the big house. I'm going with McCarthy. I don't trust him, but that's that's my reasoning for taking Michigan. I'm not touching this with real money at all. I'm going to mm. sit down with a couple of beers and enjoy it. But I don't, I don't trust either one of these quarterbacks. I think it's going to come down to a, which defense ends up playing better. But for the pick purposes, I'm going to trust McCarthy and take Michigan. Yeah, it's a tough one, boys. I mean, look, first off, I just want, this, this is going to be great theater, number one. They're going to come mm -hmm. straight in off. Big noon kickoff. They're going to rock and roll. Everybody's going to be raring to go to kickoff rivalry Saturday. I think the forecast is still for snow on Saturday, which I feel oh like fits, fits this game perfectly, like just from a semantics perspective, which I love. Um, yeah, boy, James, you kind of stole my thunder there. I, generally what I do in these, Brooke, is if I don't know what I want to do, I pick a quarterback because mm. I just think that's where the tie goes is with, with the superior quarterback. And I think that's a valid point too, Jimmy. Like I think who is Kyle McCord and who is he going to be in a massive moment in a massive road environment? And I think there's something to the fact too, that boy, it's just felt like the last few years that like Michigan schematically has Ohio state's number. And you could tell that struck a nerve with Ryan Day, Notre Dame week, right? With what Lou Holtz came out and said, that it's a lunch pail game and it's tough and it's blue collar and Ohio State's not built that way. Boy, obviously Ryan Day's reaction to that postgame has become infamous. But there's something to that, obviously, right? There's some mm -hmm. reality that struck a chord with him. I don't know. I, I just feel like Michigan with J.J. McCarthy is better equipped to assert their will. Um, but I agree with you, James. I don't think this is going to be some kind of high-scoring affair. I think this is a bloody nose, punchy-in-the-mouth, backyard, grind-it-out type of game. Um, yeah, boy, this is to your point, too. No real money on this, man. I have no yeah. idea or no feel for what this is going to look like. But I'll take Michigan. I, I don't love it. I, this is more of a home field and J.J. McCarthy thing. That's really it. Yeah. I just – 
I, I don't I don't have any feel for this at all, man. Um, I'm in the perfect situation, y'all, because I'm pulling from Michigan. I really can't stand Ohio State. I think they're the mother of all overrated programs the last ten years. I think Ryan Day and and, and just. I'll keep my mouth shut. I'm I'm pulling from Michigan, so I'm going to pick Ohio State. I can't lose. If they win, I get you know a cover and a win. But uh, and and there's nothing that says you know guys all those years. Seth, you touched on earlier. Tennessee beat us nine in a row mm-hmm. at one time, and you kept on thinking the rival in Florida did seven, and we've done the same to them. And you think, well, man, it just can't go on. Well, it can. Michigan might yeah. have their number. They really might. Yeah. I mean, boy, if they win this one, uh, they may not look back for a while. Yeah, so it'll be, yeah. It'll be I think there's a lot of pressure on Ryan Day and those boys, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of places, if Ohio State was to go 1-11 and the one win was against Michigan, so a lot of people would be just fine with that. <laughs> so, Listen, that seat, it will get warm. It's already warm in, in some people's minds there, crazy as that might be. But if he doesn't beat yeah. Michigan, it, it's it's going to heat up quicker than that heated seat in that F-150 Uh one of you guys is in right now. Did <laughs> right. you get the heat on there? Or what? No, I, I'm naturally uh, warm, so I've actually got the air AC on when it's 55 okay. degrees right. outside. <laughs> look at the look at the beard on my man. He's like a Viking from from. Look, I, I was gonna say to me, who he's reminding me of, and the name fits is my man, General James Longstreet of the Confederate States of America. <laughs> he's looking a lot like Longstreet to me right now. So, I think, I don't I think know. that may – we may have to get some artwork to that tune, my friend. I think that's going to stick. I love, I love that. I love it. All right, another monster one on the docket, mm-hmm. maybe not from an opponent perspective, but just from a history perspective of what it means to the foes involved. But the Iron Bowl at 3.30 mm-hmm. on Saturday, Alabama going to Jordan-Hare mm-hmm. to play Auburn, where Auburn just lost to New Mexico State, which I still can't really wrap my brain around. No. And maybe that's a whole other conversation. But – Throw all that out the window because yeah. with this yeah. rivalry and that stadium, this game, who the hell knows, right? Yeah. And so Alabama was a 14-and-a-half-point road favorite, seemed to be hitting their stride, especially the way Jalen Milrow has played, mm-hmm. and gearing up for a showdown with the Dogs on December 2nd. Where are you sitting on this one, bro? I tell you, you read my mind there, Seth. When I heard that New Mexico State score, I really – I didn't believe it. I thought, no, I didn't hear that right and went and double-checked and triple-checked. It's that, that was – that was shocking on a lot of levels. And you do throw everything out the window with rivalry week everywhere, but particularly in this one, I'm sure you guys are aware. I was reminded of this this week that Nick Saban is four and four at Jordan Hare. Mm-hmm. Um, strange things happen there. Uh, people, I'll go back to James, you talking about it. I, I, that's a Tennessee's a tough place to play. Auburn is much tougher. The 98 yard drive that we went on was epic. Yeah. I mean, it is a tough, tough place to play. Auburn has absolutely nothing to lose. And there's some mental uh, mental gymnastics going on there that Coach Saban's great at. I think Auburn covers. And and I I just – I feel like they do. I think Bama's going to win. But I think Auburn covers, and it would not shock me if it's a classic. That said, they just lost to New Mexico State. If they've packed it in, they could get worked because Bama is playing really, really well. And and Jalen is a – gosh, I watched a little – film on him last night and he's a handful so it, mm-hmm. you never know but i'm taking auburn to cover and i think it'll be a typical iron bowl what you think james i know it's your favorite stadium in all college football yeah the the voodoo grounds from pet cemetery is what it reminds me of <laughs> I, I hate that stadium um i i agree with brooke i think i mean let's let's go back to 21 i mean you got heisman trophy yeah. winner bryce young auburn is six and five they're basically going nowhere they're talking about firing harson at that point in time and it's just basically a dumpster fire and they take them to what triple overtime i think or double at least double overtime if and tank, tank bisbee doesn't step out of bounds they win yeah exactly yeah. I mean, so period and it's just weird things happen at that stadium i think alabama wins it's i mean it could be a backdoor cover but auburn is going to find a way to make Alabama fans nervous in this stadium, especially after last week when they get beat by New Mexico State. They're going to think that they're going to come in and roll. They're going to make them nervous at for at least a little bit. I'm going to take the Tigers. It's one of those things that just – I would be nervous if I was an Alabama fan this weekend. I'm nervous for them, and I hope that they lose. But I have too many times picked against Nick Saban. 
and have regretted it many, many a time. I will not make that mistake this weekend. I'm going to tell you what I love about this too, okay? Please tell me y'all saw the story. I think it was on his call-in show. And uh, he said, well, I had to get on Miss Terry this week. Woke up after the ball game, and she said, man, it's going to be tough for y'all to play at, at Auburn. And he said, Miss Terry, we play, we play Kentucky this week. We don't play Auburn for two more weeks. Like, you got to slow it down here. We got to take care of what we can take care of right now. And so Nick is locked in on the present and the here and now. And I don't know. They have been interesting this year because they were left for dead after Texas and then the follow-up dud when they played South Florida. And for me, I don't know that there is a more electric player. At, well, that's hyperbole. Jane Daniels is here and then everybody else is kind of down here. But Jalen Milrow is something to watch, boys. I mean, when he is flinging it and running like he can run, and I just, man, I like watching the kid play. I think he is such a dynamic athlete, and I think what he gives them is incredible. And so what have I said all year about Auburn, James? Who scares you on their offense? Nobody. that that's the that's the the rub for me with them, and, and I know Hugh Freeze will get them right. That's not an if; that's a win. I just he will do that, but he doesn't have he doesn't have the ingredients right now to make the recipes he wants to make. And I just yeah, I, I think I think Alabama is hitting a good groove right now, and I like where they're at. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the tide, um, and I hope Auburn beats them straight up. It'd be fantastic. But, well, let, yeah. me, let me interrupt and ask you all that. Yeah, just thinking, and I'm not looking ahead because we got one game and that's Tech. And that said, we all know what's next. Mm-hmm. As a dog, do you want Alabama losing that game and then coming into the bins? I, nope. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to see Auburn win just straight up. But at the other, on the other hand, is Nick Saban going to lose two in a row? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I mean I, what, where, where's the mental – I mean, it, you just, it's Jimmy's and Joe's. you got to line up and play, and it's blocking and tackling and all that. We know that. It will be this week. It will be next week. But I just – I don't know. If they were to get upset by Auburn, I don't know if I would like that or not. Man, I think I think they're a dangerous dog anyways. But I think if they're coming in off a loss, smarting with, without as massive of things to play for. Because, right, they're coming to Atlanta oh, if they win on Saturday, playing to play in the dance. No and question. that goes out the window if they lose to Auburn, even if they were to beat us. And so, yeah, I mean, you talk about playing with house money, and and that is a coach and a team I don't know that I want playing with house money. And so, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I would prefer them to win <laughs> in the Iron Bowl and, and come in with some stuff riding on it because, yeah, I, that's kind of how I sit on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. All right, next one's on the docket for one reason and one reason only. It is my favorite rivalry trophy in all of college football because otherwise this is a who cares game. But, boys, Wisconsin, Minnesota for (laughs) Paul Bunyan's axe. I mean, how can you not watch this game to see somebody hoist up Paul Bunyan's axe? And, look, we're not talking about, like, the axe that you go and grab off the shelf at Lowe's or Home Depot, boys. This thing is like, it is a monstrosity. It is like what you imagine somebody from, you know, one of these Greek epics wielding in battle or something like that. Like, it is awesome. So, yeah, that's why it's on the list. Paul Bunyan's ass, boys. That's what's at stake here. Wisconsin, two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Where are you sitting on it? I'm going with the Gophers at home, man. They're going to get the axe. They're, They're doing it, 100%. I love it. All right, Jimmy, you you look like you could wield Paul Bunyan's axe with that beautiful <laughs> beard and that beautiful mane of hair. So, so where are you sitting on this, baby? Uh, I'm going row the boat and taking the under because th- these offenses are atrocious. <laughs> yeah, this is such an interesting one for me because historically, I I am such a PJ Fleck and row the boat guy. I love I love his energy. I, I love what he what he does normally. And James will tell you, Brooke, that. I was very keen on the Badgers coming into this. Like, I love the mm-hmm. Luke Fickle hire. I love the culture there. I think that is a sleeping giant awaiting some some big, big things to happen. And James cautioned me. He said, brother, they're a year away. Give them a year. Because I thought they were going to come hot out the gate. Got Tanner Mordecai coming in. I was feeling great about it. And James said, they're a year away, homie. And as he normally is, my boy was right. <laughs> and so it's been a, it's been a weird year for Wisconsin. So, yeah, I'm with y'all. I'm taking row the boat. I'm going to stay with the Gophers. 
And home field wins in this. They are going to have Paul Bunyan's axe. going to be a nice day to be a gopher. All right, next one on the docket is the Apple Cup. Washington State headed to Husky Stadium to play Washington. Washington is a 13-and-a-half-point home favorite in what could be, who knows, we will see, one of the final Apple Cups, which kind of hurts my heart to say. I love this rivalry, too. Mm -hmm. Where where are you sitting on this one, bro? Just for no other reason, y'all, than just a feeling. I think Washington State's going to cover I, I do think Washington will win as as it does most weeks, it seems like, or every week. Um, but I, I feel like Washington State's going to cover, make a decent game out of it. Uh, but I'm going with the Huskies. Where you well, I'm going with the Huskies to win, Washington State to cover. Yeah. Where are you sitting on this one, James? Uh, first off, this won't be the last Apple Cup. They just announced um, a five-year deal to continue. One oh, neutral good. site, one neutral site, and then rotating um, home fields for four years. So oh, they announced it. On Tuesday, I believe. Oh, I um, missed that. That's awesome. So, yeah. Oh, no. No, on Monday. So, we've got – today is Wednesday. So, yeah, on Monday. They announced it two days ago. So, we've got four, five more years of the Apple Cup. So, a good on them because Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and all these other rivalries who are getting – you know, rivalry games who are getting canceled because of the realignment should should take note. It can be done. Yeah. But um, I'm going to go with – I'm kind of on the fence on this one. I think Washington's going to have a little bit of a letdown on this one because of the big win in Corvallis last week. They've clinched their spot in the um, Pac-12 championship game. I'm going to go with Washington State to cover. Washington State's playing – I mean, Washington obviously you know playing for a lot as well, uh, shot at the CFP, but Washington State's playing for bowl eligibility. No one at the beginning of the season gave them a snowball's chance of making a bowl game. They were predicted, you know, I think like – 10th or 11th in the Pac-12, so they weren't even expected to compete. You know, I think they printed like two or three wins, and their chance to win a bowl. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they're going to play well enough to cover. I think Washington's defense going to kind of go back to what it was. Um, Cam Ward is playing out of his mind this season. Um, I think they're going to score a lot of points, but I think Washington's offense is just too good, and they haven't been stopped all season. The least amount of points they had was 22 in a monsoon, so I think Washington wins. Washington State covers. I'm with you, boys. I'm on the Cougs. I love them to cover here. This is one of those games where I think wild things generally happen. I think it's it's a conducive matchup because Cam Ward's the best player on Washington State's team. I think he will have his way in a lot of ways with that Washington defense. I think Washington will win the football game because they are a better football team. But I, I do like the Cougs to cover in this, especially given the rivalry setting. And to your point, James, that they're fighting for some bowl eligibility too. All right, next one on the docket got way, way spicier at about mm-hmm. 8 p.m. on Saturday mm-hmm. night uh, because Jordan Travis will not play in this ballgame. Awful injury on Saturday night. First off, I hate that. I hate yeah. it when any team loses a player. I hate it when the kid is not healthy. I just – I hate it. So I hated seeing that. Um, and by all accounts, he is just as good as it gets from, uh, from a human being perspective. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, covering him and his family in prayer and, and hope he gets back as quick as possible. So I hated seeing that. But it obviously makes things a little bit different for them as a football team, especially going to the swamp on a Saturday night with a ton on the line for them from a season-long perspective. They are a FSU is a six-and-a-half-point road favorite going to play the Gators, who surprised James and me last week. I mean, we had them left for dead, and they, they came out and gave Mizzou all they wanted last week and put up some points. So well, where are you sitting on this one, bro? It, it is a – it's an intriguing matchup for for countless reasons and i will tell you even before that and i echo everything you said about the injury you just hate that but even before that i've just kind of had a feeling about this one from earlier in the year looking at things and it may be one of those things like you said about Saban, seth i've, I've done this before and i've regretted it. It, it it's you can't really lose when you pick florida because if they if they lose then that's great i, I never argue with florida losing but i, I just florida is a they're an enigma on so many levels, but I read something today that, that and I haven't independently verified this. I assume it's true, but if they lose this game, they will have three straight losing seasons for the first time since the 1940s. That just is, that boggles the mind when you think about it. And I don't, you, if you're a Florida person, you kind of think that the recruiting seems to go well. There've been some things that have been encouraging, if you go back over decades, y'all, those people fire coaches at the drop of a hat. So I don't think mm-hmm. the seat is far at all from being warm down there. 
I just have a feeling, even before the injury, I think Florida's going to win the game. I, and maybe it's because of the playoff piece. Maybe I'm hoping that because it'd be good for Florida State to have a loss for us. I, I don't know. I just feel like that when it's all said and done, that Florida is going to play its best game of the year and beat Florida State. What you feel on this, James? Have Have they made an announcement on Mertz? Is Mertz out as well? You know, I that's know. a great I know, question. I, I know he's got the collarbone thing. I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen on that. Isn't that interesting, too, not to interrupt you, James, but think of the preparation where all that tape that both of them, both of them have that you're looking at all year, you throw yeah. it out. I mean, it's like you don't yeah. know what you're preparing for. I mean, yeah. you do, but you don't. Yeah. This one's really weird for me. I really felt like, especially after last week, the game against Mizzou, like even with Travis playing like – I mean, Florida just played really great last week. And Florida hasn't played really terrible. Right. They put up a lot of points um, since the Georgia game. Their offense had been clicking really well. And Florida State just kind of has been chugging along. They've just kind of been just just winning. They've just been okay. They haven't been dominating people, even with Travis. So they've been the least impressive undefeated team I've ever seen this late in the season. Um so I really was leaning towards Florida. I I just don't know about Mertz because I don't know I don't even know who their backup is to be truthfully honest. Um, yeah. So it's at the swamp. I'm going to take Florida to cover. I have no idea who's going to win this, and it pains me to take Florida because that's just that's nauseating and all just coming out of my mouth. But I'm going to take Florida to cover. But I would not be surprised if this is a blowout um, for Florida State. I would not be really surprised if Florida wins the game straight up because I have no idea what to expect expect from. Tate on the other side, and I have no idea who Florida's quarterback is. So I'm, I'm not really sure, but I'm going to go with Florida for the pick. Here's the thing for me, boys. I think Florida State, in a lot of ways, has been riding that wave of the LSU win. <laughs> and I think if everybody across the landscape was to have an honest conversation about it, that win looks a whole lot different week 13 than it did even in week five. I mean, LSU is not – they're not – what anybody I don't think anticipated they were going to be right. And their defense has been atrocious. And so I know that that's their hang the hat win is the LSU win, but what, where do we, where do we put that now in the echelon of big wins across college football this year? And so I think that's one thing. And then to y'all's point, the games they played after that, it's not like they've run through the ACC roughshod. And I don't think anybody would make the argument that the ACC is some type of behemoth. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't know how I feel about Florida State. And, you know, my brother is a massive Florida State fan, so he's probably going to scold me for this. But I I feel like they are ripe to get picked off, especially given the injury and, and what has gone on. I think they are the more talented roster. But at the swamp, under the lights – I don't know, man. I just think some funky things could happen. So, I, yeah, I'm going to take the Gators to cover. I still think Florida State wins the football game, goes to play Louisville in the AC title game, and has, still has a shot at the CFP. But I think it is a close, close ball game. Uh, so I'll take the Gators to cover, which I may need to wash my mouth out after this episode's over with. feels a little filmy after saying that. <laughs> We're all, all, right. all on accord on that. The next one is uh, in my backyard. Clemson at South Carolina, everybody and their mama, all my neighbors talking about this. This is one of them boys, I'm going to be straight up with you. I could care less. <laughs> but it's massive in the Palmetto State. People talk about it all year long. Mm. So Clemson is traveling to williams Bryce. Sandstorm going to be blaring. Clemson a six-and-a-half-point road favorite against Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. How do you feel about this one, Brooke? I think it's right there for Carolina. Seth, I, I, they've – the environment will be there. It, it's They're capable of beating Clemson. They really are. And it would be a huge – one of those things that's probably a bigger win for South Carolina than it is for Clemson in that sort of game. That said, I think Clemson right now seems to be, and Dabo Sweeney in particular, they they remind me of that golfer that's got four holes left and they, they birdie the last four holes and they really wish the tournament – could keep going right then, but it's got to yeah. end and wait till the next day. They're just – they're finding it at the right time. I think Clemson covers – I'm pulling for South Carolina. I hope the Gamecocks win. I'd love it for them, but I think Clemson gets it done. What you thinking, James? Uh, Brooke made a perfect analogy with that. Clemson, after, especially after last week, we both picked UNC. We couldn't believe the spread. We were shocked with that, man. That's why Vegas has the big buildings. Um yeah. And they're they're getting better as the season goes on. Like 
ever since whatever his name is from Spartanburg, ever since that plant on Dabo's show, they've yeah. just played better. And I don't know what it is. I mean, the cult is strong. But I, I think I think Clemson goes in, even though I think it's going to be close and early. I really do, because Williams Bryce is going to be rocking, especially if, um, you know, Rattler can do some good things and score some points early. But I really think I mean, Clemson is just a better football team. They really are. They were last year. I know that they, um, you know, SC ended up winning and in Clemson, but they're just a better football team. They should win this and they should win it pretty handily. So I'm going to go with Clemson. You're all on the Tigers. This puts me in a tough position. Brooke, I have quite a bit of ground to make up with my boy, so I have to diverge where I can. This may be a point where I do it. Here's why. Clemson is okay. one and three in road games this year. And this will be the largest crowd they have played in front of on the road all mm-hmm. season long. And it's a night game. Williams Bryce can get rocking. <sighs> this is so tough. Because I, I don't know who South Carolina is as a football team. And being yeah. in week 13 and saying that is a problem, right? But the flip side is, I don't know exactly who Clemson is as a football team either. Um, yeah, this is tough, man. Oh, I don't like this. I, I'm going to take South Carolina to cover. I think Clemson will win yeah. the football game, but I will take South Carolina to cover, mainly because of the road environment. Um, yeah. I don't feel great about this at all, but that, that's where I'm going to go. We'll, we'll go. We'll go SEC loyalty on this one, and I'll take the game, guys. <laughs> all right, last game. Last one, mm-hmm. best one. Whole mm-hmm. reason we're here. Clean, old-fashioned hate. At, in Atlanta, under the lights, at Mark Rick Field. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs are 23-and-a-half-point road favorites against the Bugs. How are we feeling about this one, bro? The dogs are going to get it done. Let me start with that. And it would not surprise me if we get it done handily. I think we're – I just just have a world of confidence in the University of Georgia and in Kirby Smart and in our players and in our leadership and everything. That said, I, I think Tech covers. I think that's a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you're playing Georgia – Obviously, what they're going to try to do is slow the game down. They want to keep our offense off the field. Our defense is awfully good. We're good on third downs on defense. We're good on third downs on offense. But I, I, I feel like Tech – Tech is better. Y'all listen, we mentioned Louisville a minute ago. They almost beat Louisville. They beat Miami. Granted, it was a gift, but they beat them. They beat North Carolina. They're capable. They're, they're a better football team, and they're as motivated as can be. I think sometimes that sort of retrogrades against you when it's, it's so set up so well. It's the dream situation for Tech. There's no pressure. It's house money. It's nighttime. They have absolutely nothing to lose. you got to execute. But when it's all said and done, I think Tech plays well, and I think that we win something on the order of – 30 to 20, 31 to 17, 10 to 14 points in that realm. Um, but I, I think Tech covers that. I, I don't think we cover the 23 and a half Saturday night. I know how you feel about a number like this, James. So tell me on a scale of 1 to 10 how nervous that number makes. There's a reason Vegas has the big building. <laughs> because I guarantee Tell me you're you, right, James. Come on. Tell them to build another one next week. God. <laughs> like, this is a – like, 23 and a half is a – bait number they are baiting you to take the dogs especially after you know the the boat whipping last week um in knoxville so they they want you to take georgia because i i'm gonna take the bugs too to cover and i i think it's gonna be a backdoor cover i think it's gonna be one where we're gonna get up big and possibly have the the third stringers in and give up a touchdown late but it's gonna be like a 17 20 point win um when all said and done because we're just i mean our big game is the week after. We have no reason to have Beck in. We have no reason to have the starters in probably halfway through the third quarter because we're going to be up by Boy, 30. So it's just, you know, we're going to give up 10, you know, 10, 14 points when we're up 31 nothing. It's just, it's probably how this game's going to play out. So I, 23 and a half is a lot. I'm going to take the bugs to cover, but Georgia's going to win this game handedly. I'm with you boys. I mean, that, that sums it up perfect for me. I, I just think that it's a big number. We are not, to your point from earlier, Brooke, we are not one of these 
we're going to go hang, hang half a hundred just to hang half a hundred. You know, like it, it's going to be whatever fits the situation. And if they get up to a point where they can really salt the game away, you're going to see, you know, run, 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 bleed clock, bleed clock, bleed clock. Let's get out of here with everybody healthy. And so I just don't think it's a, it's a game that's conducive to them getting up that big. Um, and again, I, I think there's, there's validity in the fact that it's probably not something where it's, it's tight back and forth the whole game. It's more of like a backdoor cover situation for, for tech. I think that's probably very realistic, but, um, yeah, I just, it's a, it's a weird number, a lot of weird factors, a lot of things going on. I, I think, I think the dogs win and, and it's never in doubt and we're, we're all never nervous during the course of the game, but, mm. but I think well, I hope you're right. cover. weird thing too. I, I think I saw this week that if the ACC was still doing uh, the old format, George Tech would be playing the ACC championship game. I mean, they're listen, y'all, it's run the ball, stop the run, don't turn it over, be sound in the kicking game. You yeah. do that, we're going to have no problem. Tech, if we can stop the run, we it's I feel very, very confident. If for some reason we can't, then I think they can hang around and you never know. I hate to even say that, but it's – what you guys said, boy, if that holds true, I'm thrilled to death. I hope it's a no stress. Hope we do get to play some guys. I hope. I mean, I not to over-technicalize, but, I mean, Alabama's playing in the afternoon. We're playing at night. Every little bit counts. I mean, yeah. I, I, I hope they have a bloodbath in Jordan here and that we're able to be playing guys in the third and fourth quarter. But you just never know. That's what makes this week so great. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Well, look, Brooke. It's always fantastic to get to spend time with you, talk dogs, nobody that we uh, we enjoy barking with more about it. Um, hope you and your beautiful family have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we will uh, we will look forward to hearing you hopefully sometime in January on the loud oh, speakers man. again. I'm just going to put that man. out in the atmosphere, y'all. I'm just going to we're we're going to manifest that. I don't want to I don't want to wait to hear Brooke till next September. I want to I want to hear him maybe one more time in January. So be let's fine with me. With Seth and James, it's a joy to be with you guys. Happy Thanksgiving to both y'all and your families and let's go get them Saturday night and see what happens after that. That's right. All right, boys. We'll go dogs. Thanks. Go dogs. See y'all. Hey, George is better now.